All right, let's see how this goes. Bear with me. All right. We'll just we'll just go for it. Okay? Yeah. This is Multinew Media. Hi, everybody. Episode 108 of Multinew Media. I am Chase Raz, and with me is Chris Ayers. Hey, Chris, what's up? How's it going? Uh, it's summertime. It's it's getting hot. We're definitely running the AC a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not, to, not you know, today, though. It's been quite overcast and raining and all sorts of goodness today so uh my ac can catch a break yep uh, pretty much the same here it's been it's been a little rainy yeah yeah so uh well i mean i would hope so you're only what 30 minutes away from me so i, I would hope it's similar <laughs> weather although with florida you never know um so okay here's the 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 idea for anybody listening i haven't told chris much about this episode and I'm almost wondering if this isn't going to be a Seinfeld-esque episode because I've got a couple of topics here, but the the loose connection, I'm wondering if anybody else sees them or not. And I'm not trying to make it to be some big deal, so let me just jump right in. Chris, what what are you tracking in technology news right now? Um Real question. I'm not. I'm not trying to put you on the spot for anything. Just what? Do, what are you? Tracking? Well, I was tracking when a new game released on the Switch, and I've been uh, tracking the release of some some .NET stuff and, and TypeScript. Um, as far as the big news and stuff goes, um, I have a good computer and laptop, and I just bought a house and a car, and so I don't really have big purchases. And so, other than keeping up with my development stuff and some of the like Azure and AWS releases. I don't, uh, I haven't really been following a ton of technology stuff. You know, I, I, I like that answer and this is actually working out quite well in my mind because that is the idea for me of this episode is that there is some technology news out there that we want to do a catch up and talk about for a little bit. But other than that, it doesn't seem that there's a lot of tech news right now. And just to give you an indication of where I'm at mentally, Chris, let me tell you what I mean. If you go to Google News or Bing News or or any of the major publications online and look at their technology section, just kind of observe what you see. When I did this today, I saw a couple of things on privacy, most likely as a, sort of an after effect of GDPR. I saw some hate for Elon Musk. I don't know why there's always hate for Elon Musk. I get it. He can be a jerk, but I mean, okay. I don't know if that deserves to be tech news. And then um, the the real big news, and I do actually want to talk about this a little bit later um, in the scheme of, of the world, but news about Jeff Bezos and his worth being, what, $140 billion today, hitting $150, $155 billion a couple of days ago uh, from our recording time at, at Prime Day. But it just seems like technology reporting has gone, um, <laughs> what shall we call it, uh, reactionary rather than what it used to be of looking towards the future. Well, I mean, so <laughs> technology doesn't just spring out of 
nothing. It, it takes time and effort and it takes um, lots of work, you know, building on other people's work, putting it in the market, see what works and what doesn't, and then tweaking that. So I, I'm sure there's going to be a natural ebb and flow, just just like with anything else. It, so if there's been a like like months and months of you know article and story and and event one after another GDPR leaks hacking uh, the router vulnerabilities um, it, it, there's going to be a lull while things are patched fixed um, the the next iteration of the new hotness comes out you know just everything ebbs and flows yeah and one of the one of the trends when you look at that tech reporting we'll be looking at the new products that are coming out and of course we're in the middle of the summer so we don't have a lot of new device announcements we'll get those towards the end of the summer the back to school type of stuff has already been announced and then we're we're waiting on the fall but when we look at things like i don't know i saw this on a lot of different publications this whole um Oh, I don't even know what it's called. Apple business messaging or something like that. I'm just not impressed with um, with that this year. But turning turning the attention to where I really wanted to take this, looking at the news, um, the, the real intent was talking about the focus on several people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos is the focus of my attention today because that valuation worth $140 billion today, the day of recording for us, so probably thereabout, depending on uh, whatever day you hear this. And my question for you, Chris, is could you scrounge that up fairly easily? Um, if I could. <laughs> you wouldn't be talking I would to me. already have done that. Yeah. No, I mean, and of course. And considering he was the first person to ever cross $100 billion. In, in the equivalency in modern times, right? If you go back in time, you've got people who were just ridiculously sure. wealthy, but... Um, look, of course, Jeff Bezos can't scrounge that up either. But my question, I, I mean, rather, my point is, I don't know if I could round up $140, much less, you know, $140 billion. Think about that for a moment. Uh, I can round up $140. Okay, I'm being a little bit facetious. But but here, go with me on this journey. Can sure. you round up $140? Sure. I think most people who are listening to or recording podcasts go, yeah. Okay. I can round up $140. What about 10 times that? 1400 Still doable, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about 100 times that? 14000 Yeah. It's 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 getting a little bit more like, ooh, I don't want to. Right? Right. Are we going I to mean, the, uh, well, there's I could buy a used car. To it. And just like with the the evaluation of, of Bezos, how much are you planning on liquidating uh, to, to get to that number? And that's that's the good key, because if you keep going down this spiral, if you divest yourself of everything, right? Um, yeah, maybe you can. I think that's the worth of it. That doesn't mean that's how much he can have in like liquid cash or hard currency or some sort of asset. Well, absolutely. And, that's, and I think with stocks as well, as you start selling stuff, <laughs> the value is going to uh, go down. Then, then it's a point of diminishing returns, right? Where you know, as you start dumping stuff, the price goes down. 
And I think that's so where my head scratch moment was because as I go through this process and I think, okay, a thousand times and, and 140,000, well, there we're starting to get into the value, you know, of, of uh, a townhome or a small house or something. And you start thinking, okay, now we're at the point where we can't put this together um, necessarily in cash, but you've got the right, right viewpoint. What, what bothers me coming full circle back to the whole news idea is the number of people that are out there talking about Jeff Bezos in that, first of all, it's a ridiculous amount of money. I, I don't know if anybody needs that amount of money. That's not the, the, the question I'm trying to answer. But ha- have you seen what I've seen a lot of legitimate tech press having articles about and business press as well? What do, does Jeff Bezos spend his money on? Like, I don't cares? know. I've never seen that article <laughs> and or articles like that. And if they did pop into my stuff, I would go next. Yeah, like, but somebody's that writing that because somebody's reading it. Somebody's clicking on it in that clickbait. And I think ah, that's the idea. Life is like golf. It, it's a sing. It's really. It's, it, it, I mean, I'm not saying it's a single player game, but <laughs> you don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. You need to be happy with your life and. and the lifestyle you have, or at least, you know, okay with it. And if you're not, you know, you work towards making it better, but you can't despair because someone's better off than you. You know, maybe they were in the right place at the right time. Maybe their parents were, who knows, who cares? Not my problem. Maybe they left a, a really secure high paying job on wall street and moved without any clue of where they were going and started an online retail company. And then we have Jeff, Jeff uh, Bezos again. But again, he did it at the right time. At the right time, with the right with. At, I mean, even the right people. Once he started adding people in in the right location, um, I, I mean, that, 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 that's my point. It, he he can do him. You can do you. I'm gonna do me. Oh, this has nothing <laughs> to do with me and you, actually. But there's. But who are these people who are reading about what Jeff Bezos spends his money on? Well, who are the people who read about what Kim Kardashian does or whoever celebrity does whatever? I don't. But some people do. I don't know why. Well, it, it, I, I, I I don't get it. I get that. No, I understand what you're saying. It's the same mentality. But what I'm having trouble with in terms of these tech publications is trying to figure out. All right, I understand. I understand the demographics of who reads about Kim Kardashian. I understand why they read about Kim Kardashian, even though I don't exactly know who, and I'm not kidding, I don't exactly know who that is. I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. But uh, Jeff Bezos, I know the people who read about Jeff Bezos. I am the people who read about Jeff Bezos, and I can't imagine any, I don't know, is this just technology continuing to spill more and more into the mainstream of people going, oh, he's rich, so he's now... Uh, not just know. a technologist, not just a, a wealthy person, but also is Jeff Bezos uh, one of my mm-hmm. secret questions? Is Jeff Bezos a celebrity just because he's rich? Well, I'm sure he is. I don't know. I mean, I like um, people follow stories about autonomous vehicles and you know SpaceX and Tesla, and you know he 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 gets press for some of the things he did with. Like Australia and the offer to Puerto Rico and and the the Thai children trapped in the cave, but I realized people have said it was a publicity stunt, you know, and and that's why when it didn't work or it wasn't in time that they that he was talking about Flint, Michigan. So he has that I'm a newsworthy person that 
people want to ha- read stories about, and then it goes, well, who is this person? And it evolves from there. But see, I'm well. I'm confused about your connection between Musk and Bezos there, because see, before Mes- Musk but, was but I'm ever just saying, on the scene, Ma- Elon Musk. I mean, that's I can see why. Like it goes from he's doing all these things to, oh look, he showed up at this celebrity gala, and who's he dating, and then what's he wearing? Like I, I remember seeing headlines about that crap, and I didn't care. Yeah, I, I and, and, and and that's why it's like Amazon it's ubiquitous it's all these people and and who is the person like I can see the relationships I just don't care that that's really don't I never have and that's the key who who does care because Jeff Bezos was back in the original you know the original dot-com millionaires club like with Mark Cuban so I understand why people know who Mark Cuban is Mark Cuban has diversified to a ridiculous amount to NBA to other types of media. Well, yeah, he, and, and not only that, but, but Jeff did, Bezos doesn't write for the Washington Post, even though he owns it. Well, so yeah, Cuban, because he had the TV shows, you know, he was on TV, he was getting into media, he was trying to. Bezos, like, I first heard about him, like, be, besides Amazon, when it was Blue Origin versus SpaceX. Mm. Really? Because that, that late in the game. No, I mean, I knew about Amazon, but, like, he's like, okay, Bezos, Amazon, cool. No, but like, I'm, the, yeah, I'm saying you, you never paid attention to Bezos himself no. un- until it was something that was more, you know, sort of interesting to you in the, the space race portion of it. Yeah. So the, 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 whole, the whole e-commerce thing was just kind of no, like, no, yeah, No, no, cool. no, I'm saying I knew about that. I was like, yeah, I, I see what they're doing with Amazon, but it was more the person behind, like, I like Amazon. Oh, he's the person behind it. Okay, cool. That was that was about the extent, that was the I extent about. of it. And yeah. then when it was, there's a space race between like SpaceX and Blue Origin and and Armadillo Aerospace a little bit with John Carmack from ID. Like I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Just, but again, I don't follow what John Carmack does with his life either. Like it's just <laughs> kind of data points in my mind. Like, right. Oh, this person's related to this thing. And okay, cool. Next. Yeah. So I, I guess the, the <laughs> whole larger point though, is when you look at what people are saying right now, there is one bit of criticism that I think is fair of Jeff Bezos. Although I, I agree with uh, Bezos on this instance, not the, not the uh, criticism that I can understand. But of the world's five richest people, which, by the way, are, are pretty much all white tech billionaires now from the U.S. or working in the U.S., that's a little bit problematic for tech and business. But but of the five, Bezos is the only one who hasn't signed some type of a pledge to give away most of his money. And that's what I'm curious what you think about and what other people think about because when I hear that, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, if I had that type of money, I should definitely, you know, join with Bill Gates and even Mark Zuckerberg, even though we've got to talk about a guy coming under a lot of fire right now. But I, I, sure, you should join with them and say you're going to give the majority of your wealth away for charitable causes. But then I scratch my head and go, yeah, but isn't Jeff Bezos also doing great things? And uh, does he really need to just put ink on a piece of paper? To make us feel better about him. Well, uh, the the charity for rich people has 
so many, many, many different <laughs> uses. I mean, I, I have to think about it in my mind of I have to pay taxes, but if I do this amount for charity, I can reduce my tax load, and then I pay less taxes. And then, uh, ooh, I get positive publicity for doing it, and I can use that to advertise about my businesses or my relationships, which will give me more money. And, you know, it's there are some that maybe do it for the goodness of their heart, and there's others that maybe do it for the bottom line. Well, I'm pretty and, sure that you would agree with me, and I think most people would agree if we say <laughs> Bill, Bill Gates is charitable because he believes in it, and it's from the I bottom agree. of his heart. And Mark Zuckerberg does it because he doesn't want people cracking down on him. Well, I think, yeah, like <laughs> you're trying to spin public opinion. And yeah. Who, me or Mark? Mark. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that's Mark's entire life. Um, well, considering all the, the bad publicity they had, it's like, hey, and we're going to do this thing. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just – no, that's more money than – than anyone will ever need and um yeah and the rules that govern taxation in this country have changed enough that it's not to the point where um that that number is going to go down it's just going to keep going up and you know it used to be that those of us that that work our butts off uh, struggling to make ends meet or or we, we just wanted to leave behind enough or, or have enough for our families and have our kids be a little bit better off than we were um, but the ones at the top you know that the top three or four that have uh, more net worth than like half the country that, <laughs> more, that's not more the net same worth than thing group, anymore <laughs> more, more net worth than entire groups of countries Right. That's one. Yeah, that's my point. Like, <laughs> that's not the same thing anymore. If I just I want my kids to have a little bit better life. It's a, a different society almost, you know, a different everything. Well, what type and, of what type of responsibility do you think that technology has in that considering we have these great tools at our disposal like blockchain and we have great tools at our disposal like fast processors and databases that can that can you know calculate and and do whatever they need to do in real time what responsibility do we have i mean do we go back to a place where we say all right well we've got to go back to the 60s and start looking at you know something like universal basic income or or do we have any responsibility whatsoever to say it's it's wonderful that Jeff has built this up and the number of shares he has and the market cap and, and all the valuation of Amazon. But what about the warehouse workers? What type of responsibility do you and I as, you know, you're a developer and systems engineer and architect and, and I'm over here on the business side of it. I feel like I don't have control. The, so this wh- is a you? societal and governmental and policy discussion that I and a legal discussion like this is taking away you know if if you're trying to limit how much someone can have or if you're trying to enforce um you have to pay your workers you know this much percentage of where you're at or there can't be this much of a gap between the lowest paid worker and the highest paid worker or you're going to stop doing uh these balloon payments and golden parachutes and these multi-million dollar bonuses for for managers and then you're going to 
give the low, you know, warehouse workers a five cent raise. Like, how? So that that's a legal argument. That that's a policy and a governmental thing. And and I have no place. That's like it's not fair. You've taken the bait. It, you've taken the bait because that's my point. Absolutely, that's that's your place, right? You are the person who knows the technology. I won't work there, but I won't work. So so there's technology. But you can't take someone's property and you can't force them to pay someone more at a company. Like there's forcing Absolutely. minimum wages. Well, sure, you, you that, can, that's okay. a policy thing. But you have to have a percentage of people who have voted for that law and get it enacted. Right. So unless you do that, you're paying people this much. You can't pay people that much. You, you can't have that much. Like, And, and it's going to violate the Constitution. So I don't think it's some of those things are going to pass. Like you can't have that property. Or, you know, that much property. Well, but, okay, so I understand where you're coming from. But my point, let me just clarify you're, my you're, point. Th- at that point, I'm saying you're infringing on people's rights, and that's where it becomes a legal policy and governmental issue that is way beyond one person or one piece of technology, whatever it is. I'm going to I'm gonna respond to that, but I've got to make my point clear, for, or rather my intention clear first. When I said you take taken the bait, that was the bait to try to see where each person fits in right can we take this as a technological conversation and say well that's for the lawyers to figure out um the reason i say you took the bait specifically chris and not just talking about anyone in general is because (laughs) i I know you and i both share the same idea that we we get so frustrated at some of the legalese and some of the legislation when we look at the people who are making the legislation take net neutrality for instance and we go but you have no understanding of the technology you're trying to legislate and so, right. and I am acknowledging that there's intricacies and very delicate arguments that are there that I would just bulldoze right through. How so? Well, I mean, uh, I'm saying it's easy to say this should change, like it's. But then when you look at, well. You know this amendment or this part of the Constitution guarantees this, or this part of the tax code guarantees that, or this is employee law. Like th- there's intricacies around that where you can't just say, "Well, do this." Like, and, and it might be my opinion of this, but it will have far-reaching impacts that negative negatively impact lots and lots of other things. So that's why I'm saying there's it, there's the naive. I don't understand the ins and outs of economics and property rights and all these things where I can say it would be better if X. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I I do think that my call to people is to start thinking about what X is because, right, I'm not a lawyer either. But if you start talking about, well, you can't take somebody's property. Well, (laughs) we all know you you can. can. You can. (laughs) But but that's (laughs) the point. Like there's things that we are aware of. But then there's a whole bunch of things we aren't aware right. of, and that's where the, you know those lines are. And I think and, that's why I want people thinking about it because what if we come up with a solution that says, okay, you can only make you know twenty times more than your your lowest level employee. You have a lot of nuance in there that has to be answered for. Is that in salary or is that in total compensation? How do we value all of that in? Who takes the hit for medical and all of that? And I think that's where I I really encourage people to become more involved rather than less. When I talk about, you know, the tech news being boring, one of the reasons I'm saying that is where's the deeper conversation of 
you know, the implications of where we take this. We, I feel like, let me, I'm not changing the subject. I'm, I'm, I'm really. Because I have an argument to ask you about too, or a, a point. Actually, yeah. I'll, like okay. That. I'll save the reveal part of my reveal for later because I'm not changing the argument. I'm revealing more about my intention. So let's get to that argument and then I'll come back to it. So we've been talking about salary or I, the examples I brought up specifically were regarding salary or, um, ownership. What about contracts and service fees or dividends or, or incentives? Where, are, are those capped? Um, so if you know, you're, you're a reseller and you get something from a manufacturer for you know, 10 cents a unit of, of something, but you get a contract from someone and sell it for a dollar or two dollars a unit where you have all this profit. Now, is this, do you, are you enforcing profit sharing? So as the owner of the company, you get, you know, 90%, 90 cents on the dollar profit, you know, minus your expenses that you have to pay people. It, does that count towards this gap in the lowest earning person versus the highest earning person? Do you see my point? There's kind of, if I'm there, understanding There are correctly. lots of ways to make money that's not a salary. Oh, no, no. Yeah, and that's, that's where I th- – A dividend. Or, like I said, a contract, a, a, re- a bonus, a referral – Something like that. Well, I guess I guess uh, while I'm not while I am advocating for people thinking of potential solutions, I'm not trying to solve it within one you know one brief episode. I but, know, but and extrapolating I, and I'm good at poking holes in arguments. But, I'm sorry. About that. No, but that's a good thing. And and <laughs> to to answer that question though, honestly, I I didn't. This isn't something I have to think about. It's just kind of where I've been forever on it. I kind of have a feeling like you know if and when something like this ever were to come uh, about it has come about in other countries but if it came about in the u.s which is the market we're talking about right now then i'm I'm pretty sure it'd be total compensation because those loopholes you you and i both know them and uh, we we probably only know about 80 percent of them and someone out there goes ah there's stuff you're not thinking of but um i imagine that'd be total compensation okay yeah but that i mean i guess that the the point isn't one you know tag news is boring two jeff bezos is rich three right this, these are just the tools i'm using to go through the conversation but i think the idea in the back of my head when i wanted to talk to you about this was we not you and i we in general generalistic terms sort of act like technology has arrived and and i don't mean always because you'll hear people say, oh, wow, if this is what we have now, imagine what we'll have in 50 years. Imagine what, you know, 20 generations from now, which is, what, approximately 500 years? What will they have then? But at this point, when we get in these little lulls, whether it's just from the summer or because we're, you know, fatigued on GDPR or whatever, there's this mindset to go back to of, well, this is what we have and this is it. And, uh, yep, there's a new iPhone coming out next year and... It will have some piece of crap different about it, but who knows what? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the technology. Um, specifically, not even talk about wealth, just technology. Because I, I, I still see a, a little bit of a disconnect in between how the the conversation goes from one to the other, but my just mind the technology. Strange, my mind I, is a I, strange place. I know. <laughs> um, I think we're things have moved so far, so fast. You know, 
50 years, like we've made leaps and bounds taking computers the size of a room and shrinking them down to your wrist. Um, I think that the next it, – it, it's the, the revolutionary, the disruptive technology that we're, we're kind of all waiting for. And everyone's guessing at what it is. You know, we're, we're kind of in this iterative process where every – you know, in the 90s, people bought a new computer every two to three years because it was five to ten times faster every year. And now it's five to ten percent faster right. every year. I mean, if you're lucky, honestly. Right. Honestly. And, and, and so people are keeping things longer. And so we're waiting on that next – you know, disruptive evolutionary thing. And, and in the meantime, we're taking the tech we have and finding new uses for it. That's where all this, you, you know, we've had the sensors, we've had the GPS and we've had vision, um, you know, image detection. And now we're putting it into cars, the autonomous stuff. It, it's been slow growing, but it's just, it like now all base models pretty much have like, sensors for automatic cruise control or that they have all sorts of, of technology features that you wouldn't have even thought about five, 10 years ago. I, you know, I think you stumbled upon the connection. You were saying the connection wasn't clear, but that is the connection. So think of it in these terms, my, listen, I, I get it. I'm being a crotchety old man right here. I get it. I'm sitting here saying, oh, the tech press is being crap right now. But at the same time, I'm also lambasting the people who are clicking on this clickbait, whoever they are, to read about what Jeff Bezos does with his however many actual liquid dollars he has. Who knows what that is? But the the connection point is, are we acting like we're stagnant? Yes, we need to pause. But here's the history we just come from. People were talking about virtual reality as if it was some imminent thing for the past three years and fizzle. Before that, it was 3D. Before all this... There's this. Yeah, I remember 3D. I, I love. It was hyped. I still love 3D, but it's dead, right? This this idea, or for the most part, this idea of we have to have this next big thing to go on to. But what people missed, and and and, and I guess myself included. I'm not. I'm not excluding myself from this. But what we, as a, um, as an economy, as technologists, missed, is we're talking about VR and and all of these great things. But look where the real movement is right now. It's still in e-commerce. Something that people fatigued of, you know what, 15 years ago? But now is the time where it's interesting what's happening. Amazon is really leading markets. Walmart from traditional retail is catching up and doing absolutely amazing things with technology. And what I almost, are they doing that's amazing? Who? Walmart? Sure. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Okay. No, seriously. I, 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 like, I, no, no, no. I'm not, you I'm log not picking into on a you. store. I'm, I'm saying, a store. I'm saying, you do a thing. I'm it saying, just works. Oh. And that's what you want. You want ubiquity. You want things to just work. No, no, no. What, what's, what's happening in the amazing sense, the reason I'm saying, oh, isn't because I'm discredulous that nothing's going on. It's that I think there are major things happening. So, for instance, take my most recent shopping trip to a Walmart company. I went into Sam's Club. Sure. Think about. Oh, are you talking about you can check out your without talking to anybody? Yeah. Okay, but not, but yeah, not just that. This. Not just that. Think think about this. You go. Imagine a normal, you know, Costco, Sam's Club. You go in. You show somebody your membership card, and then to get in the door, 
and then you go shopping and then you go stand at a register and then when you're done with that register you take the receipt to the door and you show them the receipt and they check it for about the past year my shopping process has been I show up with my cell phone I don't even bring my wallet to a Sam's Club if I don't feel like it I show up I scan the stuff myself put it in a cart or carry it walk to the front door no checkout no nothing I push a button it takes the money they do have to scan a barcode and um, Walmart recently did a survey and reached out and asked hey you know what can we do about this process to further improve it and my feedback to them was just let me scan the barcode at the front. Like, you don't need, I don't want to stop and talk to somebody while, while doing it. But it is the most amazing thing. Um, the the mobile ordering, the pickup, you know, within an hour or two. I'm not trying to boast about it, but that is some okay, real innovation. Prime now. Prime and, now. I and, go on a website. Boom, boom, boom. If you're in an area with one of their centers, shows up at your door in an hour. Right. The amazing what about the, stuff. What about the treasure truck stuff? Treasure truck. It's just an evolution of what's already there, and it's just making it more ubiquitous, like I said. I don't think of it as, wow, it's just, yeah, it works. Well, I, I think that's the, the, the disconnect that I'm trying to point out that people have. If something's not absolutely revolutionary, people act as if, well, this is what it is. The revolutionary, uh, excuse me, not the revolutionary, the evolutionary that, that you're describing, that, yeah, it's the evolution of retail. Yeah. That mentality gets you're a technologist i'm a business well, think person. about it you like, and i know it's about, evolutionary we had takeout and then we had delivery like delivering pizzas and they were like hey why don't we deliver other food and then you started getting like the uber eats and the doordash and all that stuff and retail was looking at it like why don't we deliver <laughs> stuff you're missing like, the like, point because you're too bright you can't tell me that you don't have people coming up to you asking what's next that people who listen to the show no. don't have people coming up like hanging on your every word of oh you know chris will know chris will know what i need to know see, about I next I, I see i i don't know that's why it's disruptive that's what makes the next thing that exciting when think back to the 2000s where, where were we with technology like your mobile phone you have today you, you, your cell phone mobile apps web browser 3d graphics all that crazy stuff it's amazing yeah most people were on a nokia 3300 no. at the time right yeah 2000 you had t9 to text you had um <laughs> that that's where you have the one two three four five six seven right. eight nine star zero pound and you had to hit there, you know, seven 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 to get that R. <laughs> Anyways, oh, I remember T nine. I'm trying to we forget. We had it. that, and they were like, "We're gonna do Java." Like they started having the little Java like snake games and mm-hmm. stuff on the phones and and texting. Like this was the evolution of pagers from pagers to those crappy cell phones with texting. Like wow, magic. And the disruptive thing that came was the smartphones. Like, sure, handspring and Palm had tried to do it. BlackBerry kind of like like it. It had its little niche, and it was it was trying to be the thing because it had an internet connection. You can message people. Look at the world today. Did do you see the widespread hotspots, internet everywhere, GPS on every device? 
uh, being able to summon cars and food and items to where you're standing within minutes. Like, is that a possibility in your mind, thinking back to where you were standing in 2000? Yes. This is why you and I do what we do. Yes, absolutely. It was an idea in, in, in Bill Gates's mind in 1995 when he published The Road Ahead. And when I read that as a teenager, I went, my God, how do people find this insightful? Of course, we know this is coming. This is why I do what I do. Are you telling but me that, that you didn't predict all of this? Oh, I knew it was coming. But how it just kind of ballooned and then it was everywhere. It wasn't certain people had it or certain devices had it. They're, they're, Everything has it. That, your car, your phone, your your fridge, your your washer and dryer. You've, you've got me on things. one thing. There was one thing that absolutely surprised me. Just floored. Couldn't believe it. Um, late 90s. I probably put a prediction on 20 to 30 years before we'd have the type of screen technology we have now for mobile. I oh, the OLED type screen? Right, right. Having just better than better than monitor and better than television resolution, you know, you could kind of see where TVs were going to go that, you know, you, you shrink cinematic quality down to a, you know. Yeah, a, that that's definitely changed over the last couple of years because in the, around that time, CRTs were still huge. Um, the flat screen technology was not very good um, with LED. Like the flat panels just weren't there. And, and yeah, with material science and, and with other like technology improvements, they were able to speed it up. But I'm just thinking about not just individual things, but just how society has just kind of snapped to absorb it all. The, the ubiquity of that technology everywhere in yeah. every aspect of your life on every street corner in, um, you know, a first world country. And I'm sure that it has, um, you, you know, found its place all around the world. Like, I, I know that the, do you remember, what was that movie with Wesley Snipes in the late 90s? Blade? No. <laughs> no, it was when he was in Japan. Oh, I have, I'm at a loss. It, it was very cheesy. Um, but most Wesley Snipes movies in the late 90s. Eh, hold on. I'm trying to remember what it was. You'll find it. While, while you do that, while you look for it, I'll just say that I I, I think we're, we're encapsulating the same thing. And no, there is no central point. It's that we get the sense that we've arrived. And my, my sense is that we don't have people pushing the envelope, right? Tech journalism has very well established. Um, tech uh, leaders are very well established. And I think that even technology, even this field that all of these brainiacs tend to gravitate towards, I feel like they're starting to take things as a status quo. Like, yeah, well, you know, Gates is Gates and Zuckerberg is Zuckerberg and Bezos is Bezos. And it's not this idea of, okay, what's the next wave um, not that I'm trying to wave chase, but what's the next wave and how does it impact us? Because we have all of this great research that you talked about now, 20 years of history, 50 years mm -hmm. of real computing history that we can apply and say, all right, instead of being in 1960 and predict predicting that we're going to be the Jetsons by 2000, we can make some more realistic projections, especially in these downtimes, rather than talking about 
Hey, what if just what, what does Jeff Bezos spend his money on? Man, he's rich. I remember the movie now. Rising Sun. That was 1993. Oh, early 90s. I don't think I've seen Rising Sun. That's why I don't no, know. But I, I just remember this because it was like, this was hyping the uh, how advanced Japanese technology was. Like facial recognition in the 90s and, and they had video discs. And, and I, I think about like those visions of what the future was in like anime. Mm -hmm. And then I look at our society today and, you know, people staring at their phones, people interacting with, like you said, e-commerce in completely different ways. Society's just absorbed it. But I think that when that next disruptive technology comes that we don't predict, that somebody figures out the thing that will make everyone's life better or just be, be the, the thing no one's expecting. And then everybody wants it that that's where everything's going to change again. But are we safe in assuming? Yes, of course there's going to be a next big thing, but are we safe in assuming that, you know, we can wait on that thing. I think that's one of the points of frustration that I'm expressing with, with how uh, people reviewing and monitoring and talking about technology we keep looking for, well, there was a mobile revolution and a computer revolution before that and this and that. Do we even need another one? Can't revolutionary be enough, uh, excuse me, can't evolutionary be enough of a change? We have dramatically changed how shopping works between two companies, Walmart and Amazon. I, I, Do we I have don't, to? I don't, I don't think Walmart. Well, okay. Walmart's business model, I think, changed how shopping worked. Well, okay, so I'm adding Walmart Walmart in. I'm just saying on the e-commerce side, I don't think Walmart has been evolutionary or revolutionary. I think they're just following the pack. I would would disagree. Listen, Walmart.com is not very successful. Yes, they're following the pack there. But the other innovations that they're implementing that that are coming out of Walmart Labs. And uh, so when I say Walmart, I should actually be clear. I'm meaning Walmart Labs is stuff that trickles back to Bentonville. Um, What my point is, Amazon kind of, perfected online e-commerce. But Amazon's trying to play catch up and moving into physical retail so that they can have the footprint to do what, you know, Walmart is doing. They're diversifying. And and I'm sure that Walmart is, is taking some of the ideas and Amazon's taking some of the ideas like the, um, like you were talking about the mobile app checkout stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. That was like the Amazon Go stores, but that's also like a lot of the restaurants where you can pay with your mobile app, like Starbucks. Right. Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, like their mobile app is a huge experience. Order the food. Hey, I'm walking in. Oh, I know. Have you seen people completely get sucked into those companies through that? It's But but don't even think about – what about Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A has a mobile app. Like almost all like major food stores seem to have – an app and, and part of it is, and, and this is where I have issues where you give them money and it sits in their accounts <laughs> and then you, you pay with stuff off of, off of their so, accounts. Yeah. Right. Well, so you granted with, and that's where I'm talking about with Amazon and Walmart. The reason I keep going back to them because yes, McDonald's has one. Yes. 
Seven Eleven has one. I mean, McDonald's isn't necessarily doing that. You can fund an account and get a shop uh, card, but you can do that with Walmart and Amazon as well. But I'm talking about these truly. Nobody's touching your money. It's not like Starbucks where you're essentially loading up a gift card. Correct. You know, that's what Dunkin' Donuts is. That's what Starbucks is. Now, a lot of the fast food chains aren't that way either. They're transactional. But that, uh, to me, is a complete repurposing. And that's where I think people are missing the boat. And if in all of this frustration uh, that I'm expressing isn't to, to be a crotchety old man. It's not to get something off my chest. It's to say that somebody out there needs to hear this message that you do not have to wait for the world to have some revolution because every revolutionary change is truly evolutionary at the core. We can mitigate it back to evolution. So if you feel in the world of technology that you're waiting on something, stop waiting, just go do it. Right? Well, I agree with that. You, you can't, you can't force, um, an idea really like you, you can't force that, that, that eureka moment. It just has to happen. Right. Revolutions and, and it, are hindsight. Right. And, and I, I 100% believe that. that You should not wait for anything. If you have a problem with the thing, uh, if you f- see a shortcoming or an inconvenience, find a better way around it. And while you're doing it, you might go, huh, if I do this other thing, I have whole new uses for it. If, it, if you're a maker or a creator – yeah, don't wait for people. Whew. I can breathe for a moment because, Chris, <laughs> we we reached the place I thought we would reach. And you know what, what trouble I'm left with? What? I putting have, it all together? No, I have no – well, I, I hope we put it all together. <laughs> I mean I hope it all makes sense to people. My big problem is I have no idea in a three, four, five-word title what I can call this episode to convey that. You know, to convince that right demographic to listen who needs that message. That's the work that I have now, and I have no idea how I'm going to tackle that. I'm going to have to be comfortable failing at that because there's no way I can pick three or four or five words and make it right. Because that's the point. Uh, I have a coworker at work who uh, has a saying that he, he says quite often the future is now. I, I don't, I mean, it's kind of a perversion of the, the Buddhist Zen, you know, the the present is all there is, but. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, you, you want that cool thing in the future? Cool. Make it now. Yeah. yeah that, that's, now. And that's, you know, we, we can't sit and wait on VR. We can't sit and wait on self-driving cars because they're already here. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, one of the reasons I get into, like, I have an Oculus Rift. I, I, I have a a 3d headset and I, I play around and I dabble with, um, 3d, you know, 3d apps, 3d games, uh, unity, like playing around with engines. And for me, it's, I think we all acknowledge that, that 3d is something unique and it has, it has capabilities and it has a use but we're still trying to figure out what's the best use. What's the best interface? What's the best way to interact with it? And so I, I play these games and I, I, I use these apps and everyone has a slightly different yeah. way to go into the menu or a slightly 
Are you doing motions? Are you doing positional stuff? And I, I like interacting with that because you can tell they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. But I, remember the original mobile apps? Like, yeah, there wasn't but- really multi-touch. So there wasn't weren't gestures. There weren't like pinch and like pinch and zoom. Like that grew out of, hey, this would be really cool if I did this thing, and bam. That's where I think experimentation. All of, it, all of it does come together. You really hit on it in a way I didn't expect with a revolutionary and evolutionary, because <laughs> no, I mean you, you really did that. That was um, putting a finger on the thing I was trying to name, and. The thing is, all of that was was very evolutionary. The revolution is hindsight always. So when I, I think I talked about this last year, I was doing research for my um, university and we were trying to figure get a better grasp on VR. And I talked to, I, I, except for maybe Sony and maybe one or two other companies in the VR space at all, you name them, you name it, we talked to them. And some of the leaders at these companies and every single person, whether it was a media company adopting it, a traditional media company moving to it or the manufacturers of it, everyone's saying, oh, we're, we're waiting on this this big thing, this big understanding of what the killer app is. And it's kind of like, you know, the problem with that is you're never going to know until somebody builds it and they're never going to know it's the killer app. They're just going to say, hey, I know people want this. Uh, let's see if that's true. Right, like you're talking about the UI. Well, that nobody sits down in a, a consortium and says, "All right, here's what the UI is going to look like in 20 years." Yeah, no one knows. It, it's they put it out there, people use it, and then they identify problems and they make it better. Yep. And so, I mean, if you're one of those people reading about what Jeff Bezos does with his money and complaining that he doesn't do this or that or the other, whatever, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm really pissed off at these writers and whatever they're coming up with this, who's clicking on it. But if you're one of those people, then, uh, okay. <laughs> but at that point, you have to acknowledge you're no longer in business. You're no longer in the tech space. You're not doing anything. You're just, you're sitting and observing. So I don't know. I hope this has inspired somebody to go do something rather than just think about it if you have an idea of what something should look you know like you know in 10 years 20 years from now the killer application your your job now is to to put like chris has talked about before that minimum viable product put that mvp together and see what works yeah i still remember in the mid 90s do you remember that movie hackers yeah yeah, they put on a little eyepiece that looks very much like a Google Glass, and and he was navigating like a 3D rendering of a server. <laughs> um, after that, people made like 2D, you know, Windows, like mm-hmm. Windows 95 yeah. applications that would like 3D render your file system. Well, yeah, yeah, that was remember the original Jurassic Park was trying to do a 3D representation of the file yeah. system. Uh, because and this is where all movies the were yeah. trying to say maybe this is an interface. Yeah, that was all the rage back in the '90s. Of oh well, we'll make this My- Minority 3D environment. Report. People like took Minority Report. We're like, we we need this type of interface where I can have have these gloves and do this interaction and do this thing. I, I mean, yeah, people just need to build stuff and try it. All right. I have no idea what to call it, but thanks for going on this journey with me. I hope it's inspired someone and I feel, you know, marginally less mad at tech press right now. 
Don't laugh at me. I'll laugh right. at myself. All right, thanks, Chris. No problem. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.